Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You are now listening to Footy Prime, the podcast. Hosted by Danny DiCchio, Craig Forrest, and James Sharman. We know, Danny, you've got a really important meeting to get to. We'll get through this as quickly as possible. It's Footy Prime, everyone. <laughs> Hello, I'm James Sharman. Uh, exciting times here because pretty sure that by the time this goes to air, someone will have been fired in the Premier League. Um, not that it will make this dated, but it will probably make this dated. Um, it won't. I'm just kidding. Danny Dicchio is here. Hey, Deech. You don't look dated. Actually, you do look dated wearing the, uh, the Peaky Blinders hat. And that's a compliment, by the way. No, this is just a flat cap. Peaky Blinder. Yeah, people always call it Peaky Blinder. I know, but uh, are you wearing, wearing it before? I've been wearing flat cap since I lost my hair at 20. You were wearing it before Tommy <laughs> fucking Shelby came to Walker the... Walker Shelby. <laughs> <laughs> now, Craig Forrest is, is currently above us in the clouds somewhere, um, as Danny was a couple of weeks ago. Um, but this time, Craig's off to Vancouver. So to fill his spot, I'm very excited to bring back a very special young man. <laughs> young, special, young man who I, who I worked with for many many years has I don't know how many podcasts we've done together but it's a hell of a lot over the years it's the face of Sportsnet Central it's Brendan Dunlop B welcome to Footy Prime that's a, that's a, a special intro James thank you very much it's a pleasure to be here and actually when you started talking about firings before the end of the show I thought you were talking about me <laughs> well I tell you what since I, since I was um, cast off into uh, redundancy You've got all the prime soccer gigs now, so you're welcome. <laughs> I will say that I've benefited from all of your hard work and all of your ideas pitched that still remain spiked on the floor. I've uh, absolutely benefited from that uh, with two soccer trips in in, uh, in a week. Orlando uh, and uh, and Seattle. And Seattle, yeah, yeah. It was was really cool from a professional perspective and uh, fandom. Obviously, soccer's my baby, always has been. So to be able to get back and do some of it, although the results weren't what what uh, Canada wanted. It's pretty cool to, to be there and cover. You did a great job, B. Thanks, Mark. I enjoyed your reports. It. And when Sportsnet get the Premier League back and the Champions League, again, you're welcome. And Villa will be relegated. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually I'm really happy that years. we're recording this before they play this match week because then it, you know, we can completely avoid them and I can be positive. We'll find a way to, to you know, find a, a little pathway to, to Villa and, and what's happened so far. I have far. a feeling it'll get there. Uh, I had to apologise if I'm a little bit weary sounding I came off the uh, the Buffalo Bills trip yesterday my first time to see a Bills game in it's got to be 20 years I tell you what that is some party it's a lot of fun how are the Bills Mafia they're they eight, you know they what, eight they, and three now yeah uh, you know what um, they actually changed the whole um, tailgating 
situation there. So it used to be, you know, I guess you can park anywhere right now. They've got sanctioned areas, right? Yeah. And we got a bus down, about 25 of us, into this tented area, really well organized. But the, the chaos and mayhem that I've heard about and seen on YouTube wasn't quite as evident, as much as it was a lot of fun. Um, but I tell you, that was a, that's how you do sports. It, it was great. I really enjoyed it. You didn't go swan diving through a big bathtub no. of butter or anything? No. That's what I was anticipating. <laughs> I tell you what, my first beer was cracked at 8.30 in the morning. Yeah, and my last one was cracked about 7.30 at night. Mm. It's a long day. I can believe, That's when you were texting me at 7.30. I said, where, are you on the bathroom floor at the Anchor Bar in Buffalo? <laughs> I was surprised you, you made it back. Well, my text is coherent. Coherent? Surprisingly, wow. but, but you speak like someone who hangs out with um, uh, all the grime rappers. It's like, <laughs> well, he, he, clearly. He texts me, and it was like, bruv, 9.15 to Maza? I'm like, to, what does that mean? I don't think I said bruv. No, you probably said B, but B, it, pro- it autocorrected. To I'm not bruv. a bruv kind of guy. It's just I just don't doesn't flow out of my my mouth. Do you take a lot of notes in your phone? Whether you use Google or Siri, if you take notes in your phone, oh, and then yeah. you correct it, it learns like the way you speak. So no. when I would watch Premier League matches and we would do the podcast, I was always taking notes, and it saves in Siri's memory for years. So I'll go to text my wife, "Hey, what do you want to do for lunch?" And it comes out, "What do you want to do with Lukaku up front?" <laughs> and it's. It's definitely, uh, uh, you know, I thought by now that she'd forget that. Siri has no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> as, do many, as do many of our, our listeners and you two involved as well. So I understand you, just leave it there. <laughs> I understand you as well. The worst, as Thank an Englishman you, from the nice. South, the worst word I've experienced in Canada is water. Water. Oh, my God. Because it, it, it's the most frustrating word because yeah. you're at a restaurant. Can I have some water? Sorry, sir, what? Can I have some water? What's some some what some whiskey some wa- some water? Yeah. It, it's the most, isn't it? The, it's, when, that's I, the when I first came to Toronto, that was my, one of my most embarrassing experiences in Chinatown because coming from England, we love one of them. Chinese food. <laughs> There's been a few apparently. So so we went to Chinatown, and uh, as a family, we sat around the table, and it took us longer to order uh, like a pint of water than it did for the actual menu. In the end, I basically had to say H2O to the waitress. And still didn't get it. And she be still got Yeah, like, it was, it was embarrassing to say the least. And it, even in Starbucks, they, I, I, I tried to say... Well, I had to give Starbucks a, a, a push here. But every time I order a tall, flat white, they have no idea what I'm talking Nobody about. Nobody knows what a flat white is over here. I know, but no, they don't understand tall. They're oh. like, two? Oh, yeah, tall. It's, it's a water. Tall is, is the A. Is, is a troublesome um, letter. Good, right, clearly. Because I'm beginning to think it was me. No, it's not you. Okay, thank it's, you. It's idiots behind the desk at, at Starbucks. It's the baristas. <laughs> I would have, oh, we, we should mention that. Can you, can you get a single shot there, Dan, on me? Can, yeah, you, can you cut us, right? right. Yeah. Oh, we're going to yeah. isolate you? Footy Prime brought to you by Starbucks. <laughs> oh. I'm just saying we need sponsors, and, and Starbucks would be all right. We just hit the original <laughs> Starbucks in Seattle a couple of weeks ago, weren't we? Yeah. Danny? That Did was. Uh, I've been to that one before. Yeah. I didn't didn't go this time, but I've just found Seattle was crawling with more tourists than usual. Yeah. I mean, it was it was a big weekend. It was a big event. Uh, it's a cool city, Seattle, actually. Yeah, very cool city. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's a real like American Vancouver. Kind of hipster, to me. yeah. Yeah, and they've the, uh, the city's changed a lot. I went a few years ago. This was literally just four years ago, and I was staying downtown and walking towards the stadium. And anyone who's ever been to Seattle, uh, you know, the the pier uh, is on the, the waterfront and downtown's kind of in the middle. And uh, I'd already been to, to the pier and the famous fish market. Yeah. And walking to the Mariners game, 
it kept directing me to go back to the water. And I thought, no, I'm going to stay in this downtown <laughs> spot. Like, I want to see what the rest of downtown looks like. Very Bay Street-like, but just see, see it out. Google Maps constantly redirecting me right, redirecting me right. Like, why would I get there? And then I get to the end of this Bay Street district, and literally it is the walking dead yeah. in front of me. All of a sudden, if you've, if you've seen The Wire, it's Hamsterdam. Is I've it? stumbled into Hamsterdam. It's Jarvis and, and Queen? Lot, there's yeah. a lot of homeless people. Sherborne and Queen? Turn, turn to the right and go straight to the water. And then I was walking, walking back from the stadium um, through this area, uh, all suited and booted with, with Christian and uh, Stephen Caldwell, our friends from the three-letter. And uh, they were walking in this direction. I said, oh, guys, you, you don't want to go that way. They're like, what do you mean? I'm like, no, there's like a bad area in the middle here. Like, yeah. we don't want to keep walking this way. They're like, we just came this way. The trophy's over there. The trophy's over there, and I walk into this neighborhood that they've completely gentrified, and it was the the pop-in uh-huh. neighborhood for the fan fest there. Fantastic. So Seattle's changed changed around a lot. I'm pretty sure pretty cool if, if you're walking anywhere with Caldwell, you feel pretty safe. <laughs> yeah, good point. <laughs> good point. Um, so we're going to start um, each week picking a word of of the week, and that'll be the theme. Okay, so this is it week, water this week. <laughs> well, yeah, it's water, water. So no, the, the word this week is loyalty. Um, mm. Something. You know nothing about Brendan having, oh. having left the footy show, you know, and left this in the lurch all those years ago to go to this new show at Sportsnet. How did that work out for you? Oh, oh yeah, okay, fair enough. But uh, the word is loyalty, so I want to just—I uh, mentioned off the top there about there could be firings, right? So, so uh, Silver's on the hot seat, Manuel Pellegrini's on the hot seat. Mm-hmm. There's, there's so many. There was change last week, of course, with Mourinho and Poch screwing us over just as we finished the podcast. Oh, I, I felt bad for you guys. Who's who's most likely to screw us today? that we get off air and he's being fired, do you think, in, in the Premier League? Well, odds on favourite is, is Marco Silva. That's going to be uh, him? You, you lose at home to a relegation-bound team, Norwich, 2-0, and a, a, a terrible performance where I, I like Marco Silva as a coach, but I just don't think he can get his grip on what he's trying to achieve at Everton. I don't know whether the players are buying into it. The big problem is is that he spent nearly 100 million plus mm. in the off-season. They finished sixth last year, I think sixth or seventh last year, which was pretty good, and the fans expected them to kick on and challenge for maybe a Europa place, but even there was talks about a Champions League place, but it just hasn't materialised. And I think when you look at what Everton want to achieve, they brought in big owners that overtook the club that bought it off of Bill Kemmerer and they're expecting to challenge at the top they spent a lot of money they've got Richarlison who they spent 70 million plus on fortune on a fortune on they've, they've, they just haven't gelled as a team and even you look at the boy they bought in from Juventus Moises Ken who who just hasn't scored a goal yet or hasn't looked right and yeah. you just think there's been some suspect buys there which hasn't helped Marco Silva's cause but I, I really can't see him lasting much longer yeah, modern gambles, right? And the, the new ownership group, I think that you know, has put a lot of pressure on on Silva and a lot of pressure on the club too. Seeing you know the success that Liverpool's having across the street, yeah. I know it's the, the friendly rivalry, but when your uh, next door neighbor is rolling up and Porsches and uh, you know living the extravagant life, you you feel that you know you should be there too, and, and maybe uh, maybe your expectations that uh, were realistic for a long time that change overnight and you can spend the money to to you know purchase some uh high profile players when Moise Keane went there I thought man a few years ago that that's a player like Villa would have been yeah. after and if Younger they could have landed him Lukaku where you think would yeah. really 
dominate this league. He just hasn't worked out at all, which is unfortunate. Uh, obviously, I'm hugely biased, and I want every Portuguese person in football to succeed <laughs> immensely. Um, but uh, I do think that Marco Silva might be might be out of it, and, and it seems as though, you know, at Watford too, he kind of lost his way a little yeah. bit, and then it seemed he, he flirted with the with the Everton job, and somehow couldn't get the it's, team. It's to like he has a, a message that he wants to portray to the players and a philosophy that he wants to portray to the players and hopefully they buy into it. But that message only lasts for so long. And I go back to Sir Alex Ferguson, who was a really stubborn, disciplined head coach, but he knew when this new generation of players, a la Christian Ronaldo and and the likes of the younger generation coming through, he had to change as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He had to change with the times. And I, I still, I don't know if Marco Silva's that way, but he has a clear philosophy, even from back in his days where he done really well with Estoril in in the Europa League. Your accent is Estoril, incredible. It's improved immensely. Well, I've had pasta de nata, which is one of my favourite desserts, as you know. That's why I've put on a couple of pounds. But just kissing up to the Portuguese audience. Going back on a a tandem here, but I just feel that maybe that message has been lost with this group of players. And Mm. but he hasn't been there very long, though. I mean, I understand. You talk about veteran managers, Mourinho, you know, for example, being a prime example. Has his message been lost? You know, and the modern football does does it work? You know, Um, he's a silver, a young coach. Yeah, right. Is this like just Andre Vierge Bosch all over again? You smart man that swoons the bosses, you mean, and swoons the public? Exactly, right? Really and then gets into the, 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 the car rally. Hold of the room. Career yeah. fails. Yeah. Maybe. It's similar, right? I mean, he comes, he, lo- he looks great, says all the right things, he's slick, and he has a couple of good years somewhere, and then something happens, like you said. But it's interesting that Mourinho's come out this week, and, and prior to his first game against West Ham, where they got that much needed win, that first away win of the season for Spurs, that he come out and said that. Maybe he needs to adjust as a coach. No yeah. shit, Jose. You know? So he has a philosophy. We all know that he likes to park the bus at times and be a little bit more defensive-minded. But he's got a wealth of attacking talent at Spurs that he needs to kind of let the reins go a little bit. So he'll be vilified if if he if they become a defensive team. Spurs but, but can this weekend, defend. He leaves Ericsson out, has his two defensive midfielders in yeah. there again. Dyer played, and Dyer looked really out of shape, I've got to say. But... He was off the diet for a long time when he was at Manchester United. Yeah. So he's a player that he's going to bring in and he's going to play a lot of games. But I just, I felt it was refreshing that Mourinho said, maybe it's my, my, my command has to be a little bit more flexible and I have to adjust my plans a little bit because all the teams I've managed have their own um, Positives. They, they have players that play in a different way, which we all know. Teams play in a different way, players play in a different way. But when a coach goes in, he has to implement his style. And Mourinho is a known winner, we know that. But in his last two probably clubs that he's managed at, he hasn't... Adapted. He hasn't adapted really well to what the team needs. Yeah. He's gone in there stubborn, in his old kind of stubborn way, and said, nope, this is the way, this is the way I'm going to handle the media. And I think that's kind of snowballed a little bit and caused him even more frustration when things haven't been working on the field. This time he's also um, brought in a different staff, right? Support staff around him. Yeah. Nuno Santos, which is who's really with important. Canada, by the way. Sorry? Nuno Santos, who's with Canada as a goalkeeping coach for three or four years. Is he he worked with our younger players. He's the goalkeeping coach at Spurs now. He came from Lille with the assistant coach. Really? Oh, really good guy, good guy. Yeah. yeah, interesting. But I mean, that's important, right? And even from the translators to you know the, the, this this Welsh raised 
Portuguese fella, I forget his name now. Uh, oh, Sacramento? Yeah, Sacramento, oh. yeah, comes in, right? Apparently yeah. he's uh, never played the game. Great modern ideas, sounds familiar. A bit like Jose Mourinho once upon a time, right? The next Jose. But maybe, maybe because I always thought with Jose, he's too smart not to adapt. But then over and over again, you'd see he wouldn't adapt, wouldn't adapt. Yeah. But maybe he's finally got it because he's not an old man by any stretch. And, and you think you don't forget how to coach. But if you're smart enough, like you mentioned with, with Fergie, you, you change little things around you and you yeah. keep a, a fresh face to the squad as well. I think under Poch, whether it's his fault or not, it was the same squad for a long time. Yeah. Right? And you've got to bring new faces in at some point to keep it fresh. Well, he wanted to bring new faces in, but they just built this new stadium. Right. So for whatever reason, though, they, they didn't know. Yeah. Right? So now Daniel Levy's gone and hired the man who spent more money in the Premier League than anybody uh, since Daniel Le- Levy's been in the Premier League. So that'll be exciting. I remember, <laughs> I remember you guys talking uh, when on your segment Crisis Club about mm-hmm. United just before they'd replaced him with Ollie, and both of you had had said, or I, if I'm remembering correctly, that you you felt that the game had passed Jose by. And mm-hmm. that he he's shown that he couldn't adapt, and that this this would be the end of him. And who knew, you know, he'd get a job somewhere. But who who knew uh, how profile it might be? And I wonder if the time away, because this is the first time really in Jose's career that he was unemployed and didn't really have a next goal. You yeah. know, before he left Chelsea, he wanted that United job the, se- yeah. the second time. Uh, you know, before they beat Bayern Munich in the Champions League final, he wanted to leave Inter for Real Madrid. He always had like an immediate goal yeah. that he could recognize and. and obsess over and I think maybe sitting in uh, in Qatar next to Andy Gray and Richard Keyes he just thought man I don't want to be doing this I've yeah. got to find a way to get back into football <laughs> and uh, now he's he's stumbled in at Spurs he could have started a pie business he could have started a pie business uh, how come there's no breakfast pies or a podcast give it time there will be I mean podcast, yeah. I just all yeah. that right pies bringing more money right now not much more but, <laughs> but I go back to the loyalty thing and, and you look at Podge now and the players that are coming out I mean Harry Kane on the day that he got fired or I think it was the day after went around to Poch's house and spent two or three hours around there talking and just going over what he's done for him as, as a player and I think that, that that says what kind of man Pochettino was and how he developed this young group of Spurs players that have been around for a long long time I mean even Deli Ali came out uh, a couple of days ago and said it, it was just so sudden and disappointing because he was such a player's manager. Mm. But something was not right. When you looked at Spurs and the way they played, something was not right the this season. Wasn't there, was it? The energy wasn't there. Uh, the I don't know what it was. And, and I'm sure Pochettino's scratching his head as well, thinking, what? What happened? Has suddenly gone wrong with this group but of he players. He out late last season, didn't he? I know they got to the Champions League final and all. But yeah, they, they, they weren't, weren't performing well football. in the Premier League. I know that. But they still, uh, they were, all their eyes were on the Champions League, to be quite honest, Shams. And how they sneaked through to the Champions League final, I have no idea. Miraculous stuff. Miraculous stuff. But they, they did it. And it was a fantastic achievement. But I don't know. I, I still think he'll get another big job. There's rumours about Bayern Munich and maybe Bayern Munich giving him the rest of the year to just reassess, to talk to his staff, to maybe learn the language, because at Bayern Munich they want all their coaches speaking German, especially yeah. in press conferences and with the group of players. 
Well, maybe he's actually waiting for this Manchester United that's, job. That's and, the and big Ole. asterisk right now, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, he's such on favourite there, 6-4 to four in England to take the Man United job. If you're, so. if you're United right now, I mean, they, they don't do much right. We know that behind the scenes for a number of times now. But they keep saying we have such faith in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And, and I don't blame Ole Gunnar Solskjaer for their predicament right now. I mean, you know, what's he been given, right? That said, if a guy like Poch is available, and you know that this summer the Real Madrid got job could come up. Bayern yeah. Munich could come up big jobs where he will be could be lured away. Do you make the tough call and say, oh, Oli, you know, it just hasn't worked. There's someone better than you. And at this point, Pochettino is better than Oli Gunnar Solskjaer, is he not? Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you can have that conversation in the boardroom, uh, you know, seeing the news and not wonder if the, if this is your moment, you've got to swoop in. And uh, who did he replace at Southampton? Remember when Mauricio Pochettino when he just, took over at Southampton? just flew in at Southampton? Was it Kuma? It was, was, it, was no, no, it was, it was a, a British... Fellow, I think. Oh, it was uh, Nigel Atkinson. Nigel Atkins. Yeah, Atkins. That's Atkinson. 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 Nigel Atkins, who who was great and done a great job. And yeah. I remember our reaction immediately, like, who yeah. is this guy? No one's really heard <laughs> of. Oh, really he was great good, at Espanol, and he dresses well, yeah. and he comes swooping in and did a f- phenomenal job, obviously, and then uh, and then got the, the Spurs job, which at the time seemed like a real step up. Where's Nigel Atkins now? He's at Hull, I think. Is he doing a good job there? Any idea? Yeah, they're doing okay. Because I mean, he was one of the fast rising English managers, yeah. right? He was like a professor type. Yeah, this is very weird for me to be on this side as the as the guest and not only have like one job. So mm-hmm. immediately I want to go and Google it, and I just look at Danny, and Danny's got all the answers here. I'm he sure knows he's every a Portuguese coach. coach. He knows where everybody. You're, you're at. almost irrelevant here. This B. is great. Oh man, I'm so relaxed. But let's Stirring talk about loyalty. You know, you know, you talk about how a new manager comes and you get that bump often, right? Any yep. any experiences where you you lost a manager mid season that you didn't see coming? Um, no, I've never got the manager to sack, surprisingly. Really? But at QPR, uh, my mentor, uh, the late Ray Wilkins, mm-hmm. was, was let go um, during the middle of the season. And that, that hurt me a lot because uh, I grew up at QPR and Ray was a player then. Then he was a player coach. Um, Did you see it coming though? We kind of saw it coming because we got rid of Big Les Ferdinand uh, that year, so the club were kind of in a transition moment where we had a, a lot of big players, Trevor and Sinclair included as well, that broke into the England team, and QPR were finding it very, very difficult to keep hold of these players. Les wanted to play in the Champions League. Les wanted a little bit more money, and he felt that playing for a bigger club like Newcastle would get him that. Um, that look so QPR opted to let go of Ray and it wasn't particularly his fault and that that was a hard time for for the QPR younger players that had grown up through the system and and looked up to Ray a lot they brought in Bruce Rioch and Stuart Houston who were a tandem at Arsenal at the time and it totally broke everything up did they now was that because Ray was so popular Ray Even was popular. The results weren't there. Yep, and he spoke to people like men, um, where the tandem that come in from Arsenal spoke to people like boys. They were very yeah. military. You must do this. Yeah. Get off the field if you're not doing it. Very regimented, which didn't go down well with a lot of us London boys. As as a coach now to young players, obviously, do you? Is there one manager that you, you kind of base your style on or was it a mixture of, the, of all the guys you've had? I wouldn't say it's one one particular coach. I, I've had the opportunity to play for a, a lot of good coaches. Ray, I take 
his tactical nous, but also the way he spoke to an individual in a calming way. And if he had to send a message, he would still be in a calm manner, but you would listen to it. Where I think I've played for coaches that berate you and try to shout through you as a person. And as a young player, you just switch off and you're not hearing that that, that noise. Yeah. Um, I had Peter Reid at Sunderland, who was a fantastic player manager as well. He he knew how to un, he knew how to get the team together as a group. He knew how to bond the team, whether you were from England or whether you're from a foreign country. And he knew how to blend a group of players to be successful. And then I also have played for two or three coaches where. I've experienced certain stuff, and I would say I would never ever do that with my team. Mm-hmm. I would never Im- implement that, whether it be a train, a specific training session, or a part of the training session, or the way they actually send a message with their players on and off the field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's just about experiences. Also, sure. players have changed as well. Yeah, right? players have changed. Kids now are very different to 1991 when you were, you know, coming through the systems. One hundred percent. Yeah, we yeah. spoke about this last week. The generation yeah. of can't yell of players coming through now. There's a way of talking to them. Yeah. Um, that's not to say you can't tell them that they've made a mistake, but there's a way of kind of manipulating your conversation into encouraging them as well. It's like mm-hmm. a certain youngster was coming through uh, the ranks at Hardcore Sports Radio, you know, and we had to just occasionally just, just yell at him and scream at him, you know, and he'd, he'd wither in the corner. It's amazing say, how... Please, just, just talk to me like I'm a human being. Yeah. I say, Brendan, listen, it's yeah. time that you grew up and started working harder if you want to make it in this Hold on, business. Hardcore Sports Radio. radio. Yeah, that was radio. the name of the station, yeah. Was it? On Sirius Satellite Radio. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Was That's it cool. a pirate station? Sure or a, a leg up there. A what station? Pirate station. <laughs> well, now that you mention it, there's some connections to oh, No, there isn't. But um, it, it was legitimate. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a ton of fun. I, I, I mean, I don't think that I would have been as comfortable on air if not having had that experience. Uh, obviously, working with, with James and Chris and Jack was... Incredible! Uh, I, I owe you guys a lot. I, I learned the world from you in, the, in those couple of years. Uh, but it really was a lot. It really was a lot of fun. It was completely uncensored. So that's one yeah. thing that like trips me up on television. It's uh, you get so comfortable. I'm like, yeah, Martin. You know, the Leafs just forgot how to play. <laughs> but people defense. ask me that all the time. They say, you know, isn't it hard not to swear on television? But I never. It's not natural to swear on television when the lights are on there. Every now and again, you're right. You know, yeah. that you want to emphasize something, and usually you might use an f bomb to do that. But I never found it a challenge, even. But I guess you get you cutting your teeth on sports radio where there was starting no starting with it when when I could. I, I remember Have you even just an f bomb on TV. No, I did uh, say shit once by accident really? on air with you. Remember, I was just, on, on the Fox show. It was no. This was on the Footy Show when I was the Twitter guy. I think we were playing Avenet or not Avenet. Oh, were we? There's a question about. There was a question about Carlos Tevez, and I would I would propose these questions to to James and KJ, and uh, they'd take a side on it. And uh, for the most part, you genuinely were against each other mm. on these topics, which was we great, hate for other, great television. That's what helps. Uh, yeah, they hate each other as human beings. Actually, mm. um, he's a bad human being. So, and I'd had some some poorly worded question that I'd written myself, and somehow I had got my tongue twisted and described a Manchester City striker. Carlos Tevez and it came out Manchester shitty to which immediately I froze and Charmin uh, as a great you know mentor and friend that he is just died laughing hey, what did you say punters say that what did you, did you say that? so that I looked d- dead See, a good host would just camera. keep quiet you know and let it roll you know like Ron McLean for example yeah <laughs> <laughs> sorry well it was See, fantastic <laughs> a couple of weeks 
I think it was like three weeks prior to the MLS Cup final. I don't know if you remember mm. uh, Alejandro Pozuelo's oh, uh, yeah. interview after the oh, game. That's right, with KJ, actually. No with one KG. will forget that, actually. And he was like, we have a fucking good team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> live, on, live on TV. Did it three times, I actually. I think KJ was just frozen there. What do you he do? said, what do you I don't do? think you heard me, KJ. We have a fucking good team. <laughs> in fairness, they were a fucking good team. Yeah. yeah. Right. It was in, a in, fucking good result as well, away <laughs> at New York. What part of Spain is he from? Wales? Uh, where Gareth Bale's from, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that part of Madrid. That's funny. Um, but, you know, you talk about loyalty within football and, and sports, and, and players and managers have loyalty. Was there ever a manager that you know had your back and, and that you could Pia remind? Reed. It was Pierre Reid, was it? 100% Pierre Reid. Yeah. You never had any concern that he might be trying to sell you behind your back? No. No. He's up front He would come to me and say, look, there's a club that's coming for you, but you're not going anywhere. Or okay. you haven't been playing much, or you've just come back from injury, you need to go out on loan and get some fitness, but you're a big part of the club. He would explain everything. And that is key to the players rallying for the head coach. And I think... Well, I believe that's what's happening a lot now in the Premier League. You're seeing head coaches that are under a lot of pressure and the team or the, 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 the specific group of players that have been at that club for a long time not rallying around it. You look at Sean Dyche last year where Burnley were in a little bit of trouble. Yeah, Those were a group of players that play for their head coach. And you could, but watching them play, you knew they hadn't quit on him, right? Yeah, you knew they hadn't quit on him. Because any other, another club would have probably fired him or a lot of clubs would have fired him after yeah. that bad run last year. Mm-hmm. But they stuck with him. And now look at Burnley. And, and that's my big problem with Marco Silva going back to uh, Everton, is that I look at that group of players. I look at the Arsenal performance this weekend uh, against Southampton, where they should have lost that game 4-5-2. I'm looking at when they lose the ball, there's no reaction to get behind the ball or to go and repress what we call it at TFC or to go and try and win it back. It's just very telling for me for a head coach that has lost a group of players. And I go back to Pochettino even. I didn't see that at Spurs, but there was something missing, something lacking. But again, Silva at Everton, I see a a group of players that are not playing or not rallying around their head coach. Arsenal under Emery, I see a, a large group of players not rallying behind their head coach. Even Manchester United yesterday, their first half performance was so poor. Can you, can you still like a coach, but not play for the coach? Can you still like a coach? Yeah, like you like the individual. Like the Spurs players, I'm sure, didn't dislike Pochettino, most yeah. of them, but they weren't playing for him. Is that more of a, we're not specifically um, not playing for that manager, but our morale is so low, we just don't enjoy our football right now, and that's coming through, as opposed to consciously well, saying, I'm not going to play for him. There's all kinds of variables that could come into to play, Shams. It could be that your top striker is out of contract in a year's time, and the club are basically saying we want to sell him on or we're not giving him that money again. Even though the head coach loves him. Yeah. So now the striker is at loggerheads with the board club and, not and the, the board. Right. So now the head coach is trying to get the best out of him, but the striker's head's not in it because he knows that the, the club are trying to sell me. Or And this has happened numerous times. So for sure you can like the head coach. We had it at West Brom for for a bit as well. A lot of the players were due new contracts going up to the Premier League. You know that the, the, the head coach had done a good job with them, but they were at, at loggerheads. They were fighting with the board to try and get the bonuses or the contract that was owed to them. So mm-hmm. that, that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. 
at Villa right now, they're playing OK football under yeah. Dean Smith, they've of course. They've been playing really well. And they've, as far as a promotion club, I'm sure as a Villa fan, you're really happy right now under Dean Smith. Do you trust Dean Smith as the manager? Or so often you see a team coming from the championship and they do pretty well for the first few months and then the reality sets in and then before you know it, they've got a new manager. Dean yeah. Smith the man? I'm a bit nervous about Dean Smith. I mean, he doesn't have the Premier League experience, obviously, that in the past a club like Villa always looked for. Um, they were in a completely different situation when they found him. They were desperate um, when they found him. I think he would prove to be the, the right man to galvanize the team to bring them up. And I think that, you know, he's, while well, he's cutting his teeth in the Prem, I think he's done a, a pretty decent job. You look at, you know, how close they've come to beating the big teams and how mm. close they came to beating Tottenham, how close they came to beating Arsenal. Uh, was Liverpool, they'd, they'd uh, had the lead against Liverpool as well. So to, just to be in those matches uh it's you know it's not something that previous villa teams and a few managers um they went through a lot of managers villa um <laughs> would have been able to do and get in that situation so i, I think villa's in a, in a pretty decent spot i'd still like to see them get a few more points um and to get farther away from the relegation zone but um your question about not playing for the manager still still playing and not wanting to win for the manager got me thinking about jose's last stint at chelsea and how they were flirting with a relegation zone, and they looked so poor. Yeah. And then the second he gets sacked, all of a sudden, they were phenomenal. Yeah. And I think they, they had, in the second half of the season, they probably had the best record. They vaulted up the table. And you, you, from the outside, you look at it and think, were they, were they colluding? Were they throwing games? They really hated this guy <laughs> that much? Because they, it was the night and day. Tools, yeah. it, was the sa- it was the same players, but it was completely different, two completely different teams. Player power. Well, look at the, the Maple Leafs right now. You know, I love making those those. Hockey, soccer, cross references. cross references here, but I, I look at uh, the Leafs so similar to as Spurs, and yeah. that this young young team that that looked pretty good the last two or three years. Really, you know, these young players growing into themselves, very exciting to watch. Um, but something happened with two very good managers, be it Poch or be it Babcock, mm-hmm. from the Leafs standpoint. Something happened. They fire those managers, and then we'll see what happens at United. They looked okay in the weekend, and obviously two games in the Sheldon Keefe. Exciting, but they look like a rejuvenated team. They're happy. They're smiling. There's more energy on the bench. Yeah, you know. So just that energy change can can mm. cause so much, I suppose. You know, and that freshness coming in with a new coach. And so, sometimes clubs have to make that really difficult decision. Sometimes it's, it's a very risky decision as well because you have such a um, experienced, well liked head coach, whether it be by the media, whether it be by the league, but something is not right in the locker room. Mm-hmm. And that was evident with the Maple Leafs. I don't watch a lot of hockey, but it was pretty evident. They have mm-hmm. a very young team. And maybe just like Sir Alex back in the day, and even we're talking about Marco Silva, these head coaches are stuck in their ways a little bit. And the younger generation don't gravitate towards their their discipline rules or the way they play and they're not allowed to express themselves as much as, as we'd like to see mm-hmm. and maybe maybe the new head coach coming in I think he worked with the Marlies as well for, for a long oh, time yeah, he's and been he did, yeah. he's pretty Since, successful uh, he knows a lot of those so he's probably worked with a lot of those guys and they feel that they have a little bit more freedom with him but as we know in all kinds of sports you have that little bump it's about that consistency now after Christmas are we going to be talking about the Leafs are we going to be talking about Spurs still winning games or yep. are they going to go back to where they were with Potch or where they were with Babcock a month ago? Well, it's funny because the Leafs let go of the old veteran surly guy, mm-hmm. right? And they bring in this young, sexy Progressive. Coach, right? And you look at Spurs, the complete opposite. Done the opposite. Right? They, yeah. they, they fire the surly, bitter guy. 
I'm so a- bring him in, sorry, and fire the uh, the you know the new guy, right? So it's, it's fascinating. I'm really excited to see what Jose can do at Spurs because uh, I too I think had accepted that he couldn't adapt, that he couldn't change, and it was sad because he he's been a phenomenal manager. Obviously, from our perspective in the media. You love having him around in a in a country where English is the number one language because you love having those sound bites available. He loves um, the Premier League as well, doesn't he? He does love the yeah. Premier League. He loves London as well. Right? Walking around in his Spurs tracksuit in, in Knightsbridge. <laughs> it looks uh, a bit, isn't it weird though to you? I mean, nothing against Spurs. They're, they're a big club, right? Sure, yeah. It looks weird though seeing it Jose does. Mourinho, yeah. doesn't it, on the sidelines? That purple doesn't suit him. It doesn't, and also because it's old Only Jose. Only Dunlop. He's the one guy that could carry it off probably. Purple? Yeah. Yeah. I... I, I I almost have as many gray hairs as as Jose, who I think now that he's at, at Tottenham and he's uh, he's changed his perspective on life yes. and coaching, it seems, maybe he won't accumulate any more gray. Maybe, yeah. Maybe he'll do uh, the opposite. But I think it's weird because he looks old. That, to me, I didn't really notice before. You kind of see him age, and um, I guess being manager of Manchester United is kind of like being the president where you age faster. Yes. Um, <laughs> so maybe that was the case. Um, Unless you're Trump, he actually looks younger. He looks a lot more mm. collagen and Botox <laughs> and hair, hair dye. So right now you've got some pretty good managers available. You've got Poch, you've got Max Allegri, Rafa Benitez, yeah. David Moyes, who actually, you laugh, <laughs> teach laughing there, no, but he, the big rumour is he's going back to Everton, right? Which That's I think a would huge be, rumor this I, think, morning. I think that would be great, but honestly. Who, who would you pick? If you had, forget what team it is, you had all these options of, of managers available right now, who would you pick right now to manage your football team? Now, this is being Villa or this is being no, anyway, my just, collection just, of all team available and you've you got some big-name guys sitting ah, there. You can't say that. It depends on what, what club you're talking about. Be Posh more specific, be Charles. Why? God, like, you've got like, lazy you, since you've been on But Poch would be, yeah. I think, no matter where Poch goes, to be successful. Because Poch is not going to go to Everton. No, no, forget that. I'm not saying where you think where he might go, but who's the best available manager right now? That's what I'm saying. You've got Rafa, you've got Poch, you've got Allegri, you've got very different managers, right? Mm-hmm. They preach different styles of football, all with, with great success. Who are you going with? Danny thinks like such a manager now that he can't like remove himself from that. I know. The best striker in the world that you could build your team around. Oh, it depends yeah. on who the midfielders are. No, no, just pick one. That way. I've got mine is clear cut. You want to think for a second? If it's for a club that playing in the Premier League that are willing to spend money, it's Poch. Yeah. 100%. 100% really, more than uh, Allegri? Yes. Allegri's not proven in, in the Premier League. No, just as four Serie A titles. I know, but that's Juve. You could yeah. have gone into Juve and won that. Asterix. Probably not, actually. I would have turned the room against Serie A is so poor. Could you imagine Charms? I mean, if you struggle to order water in Toronto, how would you get by in Torino? <laughs> Agua. Yeah. yeah, there you go. It's easier, actually. Agua. I'd be only drinking I've been espresso. There, it's no problem at all. I get my old book out, the old app on my phone, no problem at all. Per favor. <laughs> That's Spanish. Four syllables for no, every... No, uh... you just throw the air at the end of it. <laughs> You're the Italian one here. Uh, I also, I really enjoyed the Lecce story the other day, by the way. I was I was thinking about that when Lecce nicked the draw off of Juve. I said, that's yeah. the story I want to hear. How oh, the hell did you end up there? I've got many Lecce stories that are going to come out through the, through the year. Really? Yeah. Through the year? Through the year of podcasts. Yeah. Oh, the okay. best part for me, that whole story, was that you were signed by Sven Juren Eriksson. Yeah. That's a... That's a cool story. And then by the time you got there, he'd left. <laughs> yeah. So that made it uncool. <laughs> yeah. Great so, strip, so though. So he's got Poch. Yeah. He's got Poch as he's the guy. Who would you? Yeah, I was going to say Poch as well. I mean, to go the example that I gave Dickie of, just think of it as simple as the absolute best best person at that position, regardless of your circumstances. In the Premier League, with the experience that he's had, the first at Southampton and then at Tottenham, well, how could you not take Pochettino? The real Why question, not Rafa? Well, because because I think that Rafa just 
is older. He hasn't, you know, had the experience recently of uh, success with big time players at a big time club. I think John Joe Shelby might disagree. I wouldn't question John Joe Shelby because I'm afraid of Voldemort. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't want to test him. But you I'm, see, we're talking about a top club there. If we're, and no disrespect to Evan, if we're talking about Everton, then I would go for Eddie Howe at Bournemouth. Hmm. That's I'd a say, great, great, okay, great let's, call. Let's bring in this boy who's been touted around for a long, long time long to time. go to a big club, Arsenal, even Spurs for a degree. And I'd say, okay, let's give him the chance. Why do we keep going abroad to find these foreign coaches? Let's give it to a young English guy. Give him time. Three or four years. Set his philosophy, his style of play. He plays a lot of his youngsters, bring them through as well. And he has a, a fantastic, clear style of play, which is pleasing on the eye. What more yeah. can he do, Eddie Howe, really at Bournemouth? Right? I mean, he, he's, he, they play a lovely style of football, like you said. You're seeing the young guys coming up. The players love playing for him. He's been there for a number of years now. Yeah. He hasn't hit that bump yet, just yet. But he must also have a lot of loyalty to a club. Yes. As well, a lot of love of Bournemouth, which sure. it wouldn't be. So you're going to leave Bournemouth where you're comfortable, your family's down there, you love the club, you've got a good young dynamic team that can do some good things, but perhaps not win a trophy, and go to Everton that looks unbalanced, has a, a very, it seems quite a ruthless ownership group right now, a mm. fan base that are pissed off at the moment. Yeah. yeah. Do you leave that comfort of, well, of we He had Bournemouth? the experience already of going to Burnley for a year, mm -hmm. and... He departed Burnley on not very good terms, whether it's for personal reasons, family reasons, and he returned to Bournemouth. But this is a guy that coached, finished playing and coached Bournemouth when they were literally games from going out of the league. Mm -hmm. Saved them in the bottom division, got promoted throughout the divisions, and he's now coaching them in the Premier League. So talk about loyalty, talk about a player that is Mr... Bournemouth or whatever club you're, you're, you're so loyal and experienced and played so many games for and coached so many games, this is the guy that Bournemouth do not want to let go. But does Bournemouth but now it's about the ambition understand of, him? Of Eddie he comes Howe. to them and says, "Listen, I've been yeah. I've been called by Everton here. You yeah. know, I want to talk to them." If you're Bournemouth's ownership, do you say, "You know what, Eddie? Okay, we, we give permission. You deserve this. You've you've earned this." Or are they like, "Man, we can't lose this guy." Yeah, they might feel that way, but I think people have called into question Eddie Howe's ambition. Don't you? Mm -hmm. I mean. You look at all the jobs that um, his name has, has been thrown out for, whether he was qualified or not, whether the interest was real or if it was yeah, just in the papers or on really the radio. Do. But, I mean, you know, the, the England job, a, yep. a few stints ago, I think before Big Sam, uh, people were, were making a big push. He was a bookie's favorite. Um, the Arsenal job, a couple of times before, mm. before Wenger was well, officially Well, some would say he was more qualified for England than Gareth Southgate. Yeah, even though Southgate yeah. coached the, the youth level, twenty ones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think Everton would be a great shout. I, I don't think it would happen because I think that you've got this really ambitious ownership group, and um, you know, they've invested a lot in the squad, and they, they probably look at Eddie Howe and think like, well, what do you know about yeah. this? Well, okay, which club is? I mean, all these clubs you talk about Everton, um, West Ham, these clubs that are likely to fire a manager quite soon. Which club would you want to go to as a manager? Which one is closest to being turned around? It's a great question. I don't think you have a clear-cut answer. Usually you do. But you look mm -hmm. at West Ham and you think... You know, West Ham is a team that's still fighting for Manuel Pellegrini. You saw that in the, in the second half of that match. I thought they were unlucky, actually, not to nick the draw yeah. there. First half, still, they were poor, though. First half, they were, what, first half they were really poor. And, so 1.8 games, they've, whatever it is. They've really struggled. They've not, but there's so many elements. They've not settled into that ground. They still have a mixed-match squad. It's not... Yeah. You know, they spent a lot of money, but it's not really and who, yeah, Pellegrini's squad. At some squad. point, you've got to take responsibility. I mean, it's, it's not like it was last season. They've been yeah. there a couple of years now. Yeah. They've spent yeah. a lot of money. They spent a lot of money. They brought in a lot of 
players that have not gelled together. They don't look like they understand or enjoy playing together as well. Yeah. Similar to kind of Watford as well. Watford have been really poor this year. Yeah. They look very disjointed, which they is surprising. They can't fire another manager. Can't. And oh, Kike yes, dresses sure. so well. <laughs> for sure. Big for fan sure. Kike. I think Watford could go and break the record of having three head coaches in a season. Is that wow. a record? Three is the record or two's record? I think two is the record. Is it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so no one's had three. No, no one's fired another guy. In, have they not? Really? Villa, the year that they got relegated with Remy Gard, there was three... Maybe the interim tag, Interims. and I can't remember if they fired Remy Gard before they'd actually gone down. But does an interim and they manager had Port count? McDonald do it? Or is yeah, it just an interim, yeah, interim manager counts. That year, Villa went down. Does Dan Wong do anything? Can he Google for you? <laughs> Dan's find out. There's plenty. <laughs> Where was your keyboard today? <laughs> just so your audience, just so your audience knows, by the way, that uh, while it was a real privilege to be asked by James to come in at uh, six a.m. to do this podcast, yeah, we're, we're desperate. Uh, now I know how Dina Puglazi feels. Like, Craig, I, I was on air you're till flying out today, Craig. Three in the morning. Well, you made him sound dead off the start. <laughs> up in the clouds. <laughs> Dan Wong is well, the only reason tall. I said he's yes. Generally in the clouds. Thank you, Brad. I just, I just want you to know that. <laughs> Where were we? Talking about managers, oh, and yeah, I, managers. I didn't have an answer to a question, so I diverted and I complimented <laughs> your friends. Fetch and host there. Real, That's a host move, that is. Real professional. Well done. Well done. Yeah, we'll see. But, I mean, as it stands, I'm looking at Twitter right now. I don't think anyone's been fired, but I reckon someone's going to be fired today. It's firing season, right? This is the time you do it. And as it stands right now, uh, 6-0, do Christmas is a month away. Okay, thanks, Sid. That was <laughs> you're going to get him um, on, the, on the show at some point. Jerry D's talking about Bertuzzo. Yeah, we'll get Sidden for sure. Basically, we... we Aim for people with lots of Twitter followers and and Dunlop. Well, but I was and, just uh, available. That's the only reason. I see nothing here about uh, anyone being fired just yet. Um, now, it's kind of a decent segue. These managers and loyalty, and do you want to play for them? To to a great story that broke over the weekend. Dietrich actually sent it to us from Inter Milan and Antonio Conte, <laughs> and the the rules he's putting in place about sex. With his players, well, not with his players. He's not having sex with his players. He might be. Could you imagine that fine. scandal? Well, it'd be a close room, right? And that's fine. But basically, it came out that what was it? He was saying the instructions were: listen, if you're going to have sex, if you're going to have sex, you're a professional footballer. If you're going to have sex, make it quick and make sure your partner's on top. That's what came out, right? And even in the Gazette, I was reading in, in the Italian, they went on a little bit further with some of the comments saying, make sure it's only with one person. <laughs> the life which, of a professional which, which is very tough for some of the younger professionals I can understand that uh, yeah, we thought, it's a real stress here we thought Conte was progressive Yeah, remember he, the Sergio Ramos story about how he was so unsettled and someone had, had asked like hey man what's, what's up with you and he was just bugging oh real problem and his friend had thought well, you know, money problems is someone coming after you is the mob chasing you what's going yeah. on it's, oh I've been having sex with the same girl for like four days. What? It's like, yeah, just uh, that never happens. Like, there's always someone in between. Like, aren't you with that girl? Yeah, I'm with her, but there's always someone else in there. And I'm just, I'm not right. <laughs> and the other way, totally out of fans sense. can't really relate to the modern football. Though. Right. You know, it, it's amazing, is it? But rules, do you ever have a manager that gave you advice on sex, Deitch? No, never. No? Peter Reed wasn't there saying, listen, <laughs> boys, let's, let's get the whiteboard out. This is how you... How you take care of yourself. You don't want to pull a muscle. No. And it can be quite physically exerting. Never. Never. And and listen, Conte's a little bit of a strange dude anyway. And uh, he's like a little, a little, little Napoleon. And to, <laughs> to, to, to kind of come out with comments like this, 
that tells me that he's under a little bit of pressure to to win, and he's going to all lengths of telling his players how to behave in the bedroom. I mean, the, the speed, <laughs> the quick part, it shouldn't be an issue, but it's it's the other parts too, right? It's, it's What's, what, why is he worried about them being in a different position? Is he worried about their calves and their quads and their thighs? I guess so, but I mean, it also depends on the partner, maybe. Being on top isn't a good thing. <laughs> Maybe, I, I, I'm just saying, you know, perhaps that is the worst position to be in. Yeah. You know? Maybe. Like, suffocation, <laughs> hip issues, I don't know. Hip issues, Just yeah. putting it out there right now. Imagine at the end of the season, be like, why are these players struggling so much? Well, I've been listening to all the coaches' advice, and i got to be honest, my hips now, they're, they're, they're just a mess. Yeah, but my neck's killing me. Yeah. I know a lot of players, though. <laughs> uh, I know a lot of players that would refuse to have sex 48 hours before a game. Yeah, well, yeah. the players would. Yeah. That was just the, the way they used to prepare themselves. They didn't want to release you got, you got any some energy life. or You're turning like it that. down, you got some life. <laughs> well, 48 hours before, they said well, Matt, no. What about you, Dish? was your uh, pre-game uh, ritual? Mine was 24 hours before. Was it really 24 Never. hours? No. Yeah. yeah. Always 24 hours. So what's the reason? No just exception? from fatigue or they think there's actually... Was, I don't know whether it was a mindset thing or uh, whether there was an experience... And I played so badly the next day that I said, fuck that, I'm never doing it again. <laughs> but um, I, I, know for, I know for a fact. <laughs> Hold on, you're calling me a fucked guy? Yeah, because say Dan was saying this. Kettle black. <laughs> no, it's just like, you go back to even, the, I think it was the 60s, 70s, George Best, who was rumoured to have, before a cup final, had an orgy. A girl in a room in Wembley next to a locker room in Wembley before the game. Wow! And we're talking about a different wow. generation again. When we're talking about the new generation these days, but yeah. those guys back then used to drink heavily, smoke, have <laughs> yeah, yeah, page three girls hanging off their but shoulders before the game at Wembley. At I mean, Wembley in a my room. My God! And that's I mean, I, could you do that? I, I could. I mean, I, the, the, the guilt and the apologies to begin with would be hard enough. Before analysing the game show, you could yeah. do that. Well, you know, you, you leave the room with the girl and your head's down because, oh, she did not enjoy that at all. And now I've got to play a freaking game at Wembley. The uh, the Charmin dream is still is a term that it's we coined still. on the footy show. It still happens it's, occasionally. It's still a thing. Can, can you explain it for Wonga and your new audience now? No, the Charmin dream, I often get dreams, like vivid dreams, that I was playing, you know, it could be hockey or, or football and, and a huge game. It could be at Wembley, for example. England, I'm in an England shirt, but it's still me and I'm still shit. <laughs> but somehow I made England or I made the Leafs and, like, I can't skate because I can't skate. But I'm out there and, like, something like... He's fully this, aware. How did this happen? <laughs> it's a really vivid dream of mine, though. Mike, Just that's completely... it, England manager. I can see you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Playing up front. We, with... we must do our movie reviews, Deitch, yeah. at some point, right? I can see you playing up front with Lambert and Butler. <laughs> Speaking of movies, when are you going to get uh, Thomas Rongan on? Oh, T.R., yeah, no, yeah. we'll get him on, absolutely. Spoke about You've spoken because, about yeah. his, his movie. Michael Fassbender is yeah. going to be Thomas Rongan. <laughs> Speaking of odd, oh, odd sexual uh, delights. <laughs> yeah. Joking. Uh, I had a conversation well, about... What are you talking about? Take it easy, Shams. Jeez. <laughs> anyway, the story was with Amsterdam. No, anyway. Done low pitch. <laughs> I was speaking about T.R. this week on the way to uh, Ohio, yeah, where I was sat on a bus for 16 hours this weekend to play a game. Um, and we were going through Detroit, and I, I go back to a memory of T.R. who lived in Toronto as our academy director at Toronto FC. And he used to smoke um, camel unfiltered cigarettes. Yeah. 
and you couldn't buy them here right. in Canada. Right. So he t- came in one Monday. He's like, hey, Ditch, he says, never guess what. I was like, what's wrong, T? How are you done now? He said, I had a great weekend. He said, I traveled down to Detroit. He says, what the fuck did you travel down to no Detroit No one's ever for? been excited coming back from Detroit. <laughs> exactly. You're like, what's up with him? He traveled four hours to Detroit to buy two boxes of Camel unfiltered cigarettes, <laughs> and he got lost in the ghetto. He says, I've never shit myself so much. And he said, I've been to Bangkok, Thailand, eh, like numerous <laughs> places in the world, but I got lost in America the hood Samoa. in Detroit trying to buy some Camel unfiltered. That's, that's a, so that's I said, a... you spent eight hours in the car just to go and get some cigarettes. He said, yeah, what the fuck else was I going to do in Toronto? Uh, those Dutch guys, <laughs> they all smoked, didn't they? Yeah, Aaron Vinter was a big smoker when he was here as well. Yeah, yeah. I have a great coach's uh, story. Uh, Thomas Rungan worked with us on, on Fox Soccer News, and uh, after that, and after he left Toronto FC, he took over the Tampa Bay Rowdies, remember? Yes. In, in whatever division they were in at the time, but they were playing the Ottawa Fury. And our producer, Michael Schwartz, who you have to get on the show as well. yeah, we discussed getting Schwartz on here, yeah. Schwartz, he's hilarious. We'd gone up to see him. And so we'd watch the match, and there was a winger, don't know his name, number 11, who was always in the right place, always waving, calling for the ball, really used with brilliantly, yeah. never got the ball. So afterwards, we'd, we'd met Rongan, and he comes out, shirt half tucked in, he's missing a few buttons. He looked like he might have had a girl in the room. Yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> just, he, just, he, he looked like he'd played a match. Comes out exhausted, smoking immediately. As soon as he steps outside, lights a cigarette. I said, oh, you know, great game, really enjoyed it, you know, thanks for having us up here. But hey, number 11, like, the guys in the room, do they hate the guy? What do you mean? I'm like, well, he was always open, he's like waving, like, what happens? He's sleeping with the captain's wife or something? Oh, no, they, they, they don't hate the guy, they make $2,000 a week, they can make that fucking pass. <laughs> <laughs> he's got to learn to get closer. They can't even see him. <laughs> That's great. That's good. TR impression as well, actually. Thanks, it's pretty yeah. good. No, he's a legend. Don I, Lopez. I love, used I love to call that. him Don Lopez. Yeah, Don Lopez. I love that movie so much. I have so many great Rongan stories. When the movie comes out, we can just yeah. talk about what it was like to know him before he was a star. We'll get him Michael and Fassbender. Michael Fassbender on the show yeah, at the same time. If that, Dan, that's, that's your job, by the way, because you have all those connections in Hollywood. That's right. We, we used to have to pre-tape with Rongan all the time because the Championship get, League. We were talking about how comfortable, <laughs> how comfortable that we could get on there to a point where you know I would be comfortable to swear because you kind of forget that the. Yeah. Cameras are on. Well, same thing with him. He'd be so comfortable in the conversation. He loved just talking to his buddy that he'd forget he was on TV or forget what the topic was, yeah. what league he was in. <laughs> and yeah, how Real Madrid are going to win the championship. You know, it's like, yeah, if they got promoted, having, uh, yeah. them and Chef United. Having, having worked with uh, Brian Budd for so many years, right, yeah. earlier in my career, right, I just, just love Budgie, right, the yeah, best yeah. guy in the world. Him and TR were so similar in so many ways. Yeah. You know, because they're so knowledgeable, such good football men, but yeah. they just get distracted and go yeah. down these these. Wormholes. Incidentally, <laughs> great TV though. <laughs> incidentally, wrong and thought Craig's name was Greg. Oh, that's right. Remember that? Live on Greg. TV. Yeah, Greg. Greg. What do you think? Does he know my fucking name's Craig? He called uh, Jerry Dobson Gary once as well. Gary. Yeah. Gary. <laughs> Every time too. <laughs> Gary Dobson. Yeah, well, that guy was, Gary. I remember him saying how. Oh, it's a bit difficult for you guys like to be host. You know, I'm trying to be more professional with you guys. <laughs> oh, great. Thanks. Like, yeah, I was down with Gary, and uh, I kept saying his name every time, and then I realized it wasn't. His name. <laughs> when did you realize that? Gary and uh, Greg. After our nine minute segment. Oh, good. Great. No, we'll definitely get TR on. He's brilliant. By the way, uh, I texted Craig to find out how often he'd have sex or how long before a game. He hasn't got back to me yet. He might be actually be in the air right now. He's whether he left or not. But uh, 
I want to hear what Craig says about. I need to know about this for some reason. Yeah. Don't know why. Do you so do you find it strange that players would? I mean, professional athletes are are quite interesting beings. Mm. Uh, goalkeepers even more so. You very, find it very peculiar, surprising that they would have maybe not a superstition, a but a him. mental routine. I because I think that's what I think is just mental. I it think is, you're yeah. you're for 24 hours you're obsessing about this game that you've trained all week for, uh, or maybe you've been thinking about even longer. Just, you can't possibly you, let you must be just, normal life. It must be. It's not a normal life. For these guys, though, right, compared to the normal people, I mean, I would never turn down sex, no matter whatever. <laughs> what right have I got to turn down sex? Oh no, sorry, love, not tonight. I've got a headache. I've got a big game tomorrow. Like, not going to happen. I mean, it rarely happens anyway. As a professional, asked, but... you are looking for every excuse for you playing bad. So, mm. is it more superstitious, perhaps? Yes, than... it's, it's, that's why Danny's saying it's a mental block. Yeah, right. Not so. It's not a physical thing. You don't feel different. Forty-eight, twenty-four. I'm sure there's some science behind it, though. Probably of course, there's some, 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 some study about athletic performance post-sex. I'm sure. And if we had time to look it up, we would. Well, I think with bo- boxers, this is something that boxers have obsessed about for for a long time. That there's something you know with the testosterone balance or whatnot that um, certain athletes or you know, certain disciplines where they seem to obsess about that more so than others. I agree with you that I think Conte is just. Maybe yeah. at his wit's end a little bit yeah. and ended up saying something that uh, the papers are having fun with. Unless you're Tyson Fury where he does what he fucking wants. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, Mike Tyson, there's a great, um, I think he was fighting, I forget who it was, but on the great Tyson documentary, he talks about uh, the, the stare down. And on yeah. this particular fight, Tyson was just like sweating profusely and looked just looked angry and and they said, man, you were so up for that fight. Why were you? And he goes, well, you know, I had been with some uh, some ladies of questionable background and uh, I had a terrible gonorrhea flare-up before the fight. <laughs> really? That's what he says. This is Tyson saying this to the oh camera, right? God. So, And he goes, oh, so, so I had this terrible fever. <laughs> it's amazing. Ah, it's a reason too, Shams, why you should not have sex before a game. Yeah, you might pick up something that you didn't intend to. Um, according to Google, uh, there is evidence that suggests that sex shortly before a competition can have a negative impact on performance in combat, speed, and strength sports, at mm. least in men. Women, on the other hand, produce more testosterone during sex, which suggests that it might even boost performance in one-on-one sports. I'm going to buy my wife a tennis racket. <laughs> Get to the court, love. You could be really great at this sport. I'm going to buy my wife a baseball bat. (laughs) (laughs) Although I think about that, it might not be a good idea. (laughs) What are you doing with that? That's not what I meant. What happened to the taillights on Deech's truck? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So we want to hear from you, listener. Do you have sex before a sporting event? Do you have the right to even say no? I'd like to know if the curling guys do. (laughs) <laughs> that is a really, it's not a, can we, it's not can a we get one of them on, sport, on, the, on, on the phone to see if they do yeah let's get um, I can't even think of a curler's name Mike Epping wasn't a famous is one is that who you're thinking of who? Mike Epping he's got his own beer Epping. that was the first one that wasn't no there's another Come one on, Danny, you ago. must be in with the curling people because uh, it's the I number one curl- sports on Sportsnet I did. <laughs> it depends on what time of day it is <laughs> yeah. on Saturdays and what Grand Slam event is happening at the Mattamy Centre in Toronto? Some beautiful female curlers, by the way. We've been chucked Gorgeous. off many a time on the Premier League for curling, haven't we, Sean? Yep, yeah, a number of times. <laughs> yep, the bride comes on out. Well, yeah. I guess we're not doing match day today. <laughs> Chelsea Arsenal, what a finish. 4 3. We've nothing to say. Here's. Some now to Coquitlam for the Briar. <laughs> oh, the hell Take it away, Rob Falls. <laughs> and their and their 
one million audience <laughs> compared to 133 for Man U against Liverpool. That's the sad part. Freaking curling. They, they, you, can, you can rip it all you want, but the numbers, the numbers count. Everyone watches curling in Canada. A bit, give them credit. You know what? Though? A bit of serious talk just for 15 seconds. Uh, I get asked this all the time by people okay. like, how come the Premier League's not on your station anymore? How come I can't find soccer? Man, you guys used to do the footy show 10 years ago. There was more soccer content. And it's one weird thing about the business, and you really realizes that for as big as we in the soccer community feel that soccer is and soccer is growing, the numbers just don't reflect it in television. So if you're not interested in a match that happens to be on, maybe it's the Bundesliga, maybe it's uh, on a, a certain multicultural channel that's showing a league that's from a country that uh, Dickio's father's from. Yeah. Watch it. Just put it on. Mm-hmm. Put it on, even if you're out and about, even if you're in the in the backyard or unable to be focused for the 90 minutes. Put it on because the, the number translates. You have to show that you're interested. Yeah. I'm not saying go out and spend a fortune that you can't afford it or go out and buy um, you know tickets to matches that you don't want to go to. But you do have to s- support the game, and you show that, and it's re- it's reflected in, in more coverage and more access to yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, the fact is if, if the Chicken Premier League was pulling in half a million people every Saturday morning... Um, it would be on your television. TSN and Sportsnet would have probably put more of an effort into re-retaining it. So that's the reality of the situation. These numbers for a Saturday morning are pulling, but hardly, uh, you know, knee-trembling numbers, put it that way, Yeah, to stay on the sex theme. Nothing like... <laughs> and Conte would be proud of you, Sean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right, fellas, I guess we're out of time, eh, Dan? Oh, that's I know, it sad. By, doesn't it? I got up so this early just for that? Yeah, yeah. Listen, uh, social, please follow us on all platforms. Twitter, footy underscore prime. Instagram, footy prime the podcast. Facebook, footy prime the podcast. Check us out on YouTube as well. And, of course, we thank DeanBlundell.com for being our home and Eggplant Pitcher and Sound for providing this wonderful studio. B, tell us what you're doing next. What's what's going on in your life very, very quickly? Anything Large that you want to announce? Or uh, not yet? No, nothing that I want to announce. Uh, things are good. Um, I would like to have a. I would like to have a, a Charmin proper pie at some point. Oh, well, well, listen, the join weather. the club, man. You live in East York. The, there's no reason not to sign up. The weather's getting bad. Uh, yeah, I, I uh, appreciate those of you that still pay your cable bills and uh, <laughs> both of you watch sports news programs. No and, uh, Give me a follow on social, and I tweet about soccer more than anything else. What's your uh, social? Uh, I'm Brendan handle? underscore Dunlop. Brendan, un- who's Brendan Dunlop? I don't know. Exactly. Some Welsh lad, probably. Probably exactly. a nobody. A nobody. Uh, Brendan Dunlop is the Accrington Stanley of broadcaster names. Exactly. Is that it? <laughs> Who's he? I hope you enjoyed that, everyone. Uh, Dan one thanks, pal, as always. Dev behind the glass, thank you as well. Uh, B, it's been a pleasure. This, this has been great. fun. We'll do it again next time I, I feel, when these guys are away. I feel like I took Conte's advice. This was, this was short, and I was on the bottom the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> on that note, cheers for listening. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 